Hi, I'm Mixtape, you know, the, the host of this show where you bring your own popcorn, both regrettably and enthusiastically, and we'll turn LOLs into movie ideas about the experience you had. Is that the the intro? Did I get it right? Yeah, you nailed it. Cool. Well, you nailed the the new version of the introduction. But as a reminder to our longtime listeners, the original introduction started something like, "Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spew our opinions into your hearing holes. What we lack in education, we make up for with rants, raves, and rambles." I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty. I'm here today with a most wonderful guest. You already heard them doing a beautiful new introduction for the show. This person is a podcaster, a human being, a zombie, a ghost, an enigma, a friend, and maybe most importantly, after friend, they're also a resident artist here at Bring Your Own Popcorn. If you notice that we rolled out some really beautiful new designs for the podcast those have been designed by this person milk surface oh i sent you like a word cloud of adjectives and nouns i didn't know you'd use all of them yeah i gotta gotta give like a really good picture of mm-hmm. of who milk is yeah they they can really imagine me now <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show Oh, thanks for having me. Artist reveal. Yeah. I, I do want to say yours was so fun to make because I mixed 2D illustration, uh, graphic design, and uh, some 3D stuff because the, the title is actually 3D modeled. So Yeah, the Bring Your Own Popcorn is like shiny gold 3D lettering. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Radiates a little bit of light. And There's, we uh, now have hmm. stickers which mm-hmm. um, all people who are subscribed to the Patreon, the Bring Your Own Popcorn Patreon, have already received their stickers. And previous guests have also received their stickers. But if you, listener, would like a sticker, hit me up. Just give me your address and your social security number, and I will send that right over. Those stickers are dishwasher safe, so you can put it on a cup. And then you have a Bring Your Own Popcorn cup that you can put, like, some popcorn in. Perfect. We got merch. <laughs> yeah. Milk has chosen a film for us to discuss today that's very meaningful to them but something interesting about milk uh, well one of many interesting things about milk is that milk is our first guest who isn't really a huge fan of movies no not not a big movie buff so i have a little list of questions for you to dig a little deeper into your your experience with movies and what you do remember considering it's not your favorite thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah Well, it's not that I dislike movies. It's just like compared to most people, I just, I'm not as into it. Got it. Well, what was the first movie that you saw in theaters? Is I remember seeing some of Pokemon, the first movie in theaters, but my first time ever going to the theaters was in 1995 to go see Toy Story on Thanksgiving Day when I was out visiting my great grandparents in Arizona. Was that was that a really memorable experience for you, like the movie itself? I don't remember anything about that. I just oh. know it happened. <laughs> Got it. 
Yeah. So the, I mean, is it a good memory? Are there good feelings associated with that? No, I, I really just don't know anything about. It. I know I liked Toy Story as a kid, but but for Pokemon, the one I do remember, uh, there are good experiences, both like watching it in the theater and then also um, having it at home to watch on VHS. But something that just shows how much early I developed as the person I come to be today is I remember in theaters seeing the scene where the the doors open for Pokemon, the first movie in like one of the scenes and they used 3d modeling and i remember analyzing it very carefully and being like oh well they actually did it well this time compared to other times and uh keep in mind i'm nine years old at this point oh in fact i do i saw toy story 1995 my dad took me to see dragon heart 1996 and then i saw pokemon 1999 and i think like that is the most that that's like all my trips to the theater until like I ended up moving in with my dad later on in life. Dang. Like, so for your whole childhood, basically? My movie experience drastically changed in 2000 after we like moved. And then uh, 2003 is when I moved in with my dad. And my dad kind of took me to go see more movies after that. But yeah, I only been to the, the theater three times, it seems, before I was 10 years old. Wow. That's wild to me. Yeah. Fascinating. But I did listen to Bambi on cassette every single night. And for a while, I watched Mary Poppins every single night. So (laughs) I used to be a little bit of a buff in the film department. Yeah. And definitely a preference for animation, which continued into adulthood. Yes. Do you remember the first movie that you saw in theaters without any parents or adults? I'm pretty sure that was Cloverfield in 2008. At this point, I was living in a small town. It was a mile by mile, no movie theater. Um, The next one was like about 30 minutes north. And I had a group of friends finally that like we had a car and we'd go there. And so we went to go watch uh, Cloverfield and I liked it. I never saw that. Is it is it like a scary? It's like a zombie movie, right? No, it's a first person like cameraed movie, kind of like Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. And it's about an alien attacking the city of New York. And you follow kind of the story of like one guy with the camera and everything as he goes through it. They did a really good job of not really using jump scares, but just like tension to make things kind of like put you on edge. It's definitely a theater experience movie. I've seen it out of theaters and still enjoyed it, but I think, you know, it's not the same. And once you go see a movie in theater, you always remember that experience, even when you're watching it at home. So I think it affects that. Yeah. But yeah, it's worth watching. And technically there's three movies, but they're all kind of way different. They're loosely tangentially related. Cloverfield, Cloverfield Lane, Cloverfield Paradox or something like that. Wow. There's a whole Cloverfield cinematic universe. There is. Overall, if someone asked you to describe your relationship with movies, how would you describe it? You know how you have some friends that you enjoy being around, but like sometimes they're a little too much for you to just hang out with them alone or like hang out with them a lot. Yes. Uh, That. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I can't watch movies alone. And that's oh, why yeah. I don't tend to watch movies very often. It's just kind of hard to constantly focus the whole way through. And that's really required of movies. I can sit down and binge a whole season of a show in one sitting, but it's different because shows are kind of built with this idea that the audience might take a break in between episodes and they cater mm-hmm. to that. And so, you know, if I sit down for a minute to open up Pokemon Go for, you know, uh, catching a Pikachu or something, uh, the show will recap something I missed, but a movie won't necessarily do that. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Actually, ironically, I also have a really hard time watching movies alone. I just realized, I mean, I enjoy doing it, but it's actually pretty rare. Usually any movie that I'm talking about, like saw it with someone else, but I still just see a lot of movies. What about prepping for uh, the show? Do you watch all of those alone? Oh, yeah. I have to watch those alone because for the show, like I want to be like completely focused and I want to take notes and pause and write things down that I noticed um, usually, although I didn't do that for this one. And we can talk about why later. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Okay. Good Um, thing I took notes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You're the you're the star of the show. And that's sort of what the show has evolved into anyway, is that I'm really like leaning on the guest because like this is your baby. This is the special it's special to you. And so I'm looking for what makes it special to you. But before I get to do the work. Yeah, you get to do the work. (laughs) It works out really well for me. (laughs) Tell me another one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's your favorite. I have a few other strange favorite movies like Stranger Than Fiction I really love. Mirror Mask, yeah, Will Ferrell, but he's not like as comedic as he typically is. Mirror Mask is another special one to me. Very strange movie. It's pretty new, but Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. I've seen that. that. You know, it might be because I just saw it recently within the last month, but I really enjoyed it. It hit a lot of like sweet spots for me. And I kind of have a feeling it's going to continue to be, if not necessarily a favorite, but one I really cherish going forward which sounds silly most people probably didn't cry several times through that movie but (laughs) it will probably make sense why I had these emotions for Free Guy but there'll be some spoilers so can you tell me some of the reasons why Free Guy is becoming one of your favorite you said it hit, hit some sweet spots one of them is just like It's a very empathetic movie. It it just shows how people will rely on each other and build community, both as a group or or small individuals, and also shows what happens when people have to work on things without that type of community established. You know, it does kind of have your your antagonist that's just a, oh, we can hate him for hating him. But then there are um, other characters that are like, oh, we don't like the actions we're doing, but we can kind of see them be redeemed in ways in the future you also see people that are like hesitant but then have their own qualities that we can admire and look up to so there's a lot of character in this movie that you just wouldn't expect especially if you like have just seen a trailer for it i think it has a lot more depth than people realize even when you're watching it i think it's one of those ones when you look back and like think of how 
the different scenes and characters fit in for different reasons and how everything was placed. It was very well thought out for being this comedy movie. Nice. Good pitch. I'll definitely check it out. I was interested based on the trailer, but also based on the trailer, I wasn't really sure what to expect at all. So I like your description of it. Definitely makes me want to watch it more. And I mean, Ryan Reynolds is hot. So why wouldn't you want to watch it? If nothing else, there's eye candy. Though he just came out with another movie and I'm like, I can't watch this. I like just watched one of your movies and (laughs) I actually did watch Free Guy alone. So, oh, there you go. That good. Because Ryan Reynolds was in it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I hate the whole like the like monopoly thing of of actors in Hollywood, though, where it's just like the same people and over and over. I'm like, yeah, they're good, but there's other people. There's so many people trying to get work in LA and who want to be actors. And and yet you just want to like keep recycling the same people. It's very silly. It is silly, but it seems particularly strange with Ryan Reynolds because he was never that before. In fact, I know he has funded some movies. Like I believe Deadpool happened because of his money. Oh, wow. If if I understand correctly, because he thought they did such a terrible job the first time Deadpool was on screen in Wolverine. Wait, he was in Wolverine? Yeah, the Wolverine movie, they had Deadpool, but it was the complete opposite character where like as a scientist, he was silly and talked. And then as Deadpool, he had his mouth sewn shut and was like a killing machine. You know, so they took away all the cool, charming things that make people like that character. Yeah. And that was like the Wolverine movie that everyone hated, right? Exactly. Nice. Well, we're going to get into our feature film. Oh, before we do, I -hmm. thought I thought I'd prepare. And one of the things I I wrote down is my preferred ways to eat popcorn. (laughs) So I just want to throw that out there. I remember being like a young child and learning about garlic salt on popcorn. Because before that was just like butter, like a gross amount of butter. Like I'm going to get sick that night. There is Um, no gross amount of butter. Like I enjoy it, but people look at me negatively. And I'll still do that sometimes. But now I love lime on popcorn. That's my favorite way. Yeah, I've done that too. I can't deal with like how quickly it gets soggy. So my solution is to use tahin because tahin has lime in it, but Mm. it's it's a powder. Yeah, I just eat fast. (laughs) So you like sprinkle a little on and then eat it quickly? Uh, Drench and eat it quickly. (laughs) I can't scoop popcorn. Like I'm the type that eats it individually, like piece by piece. So I'm just like rapid shooting like individual pops into my mouth. You need to make a, a little animation of this. I should. It can be a Discord emote. <laughs> yeah. Just like a bullet. <laughs> AK-47 popcorn into your mouth. Like in old school cartoons where they eat popcorn and then spit all the kernels out. It's like yeah. a reverse of that. Yeah. Into the belly. Good stuff. I've been meaning to do a popcorn tutorial on how to prepare popcorn, the bring your own popcorn way. And I keep forgetting. I'll tell you here here on the show as a spoiler prior to the video tutorial that will come someday. The way that I make popcorn is on the stovetop, always, never in the microwave, unless there's just dire circumstances and that's the only option. Otherwise, if you have a pot and you have kernels, it needs to be made on the stove. I usually use a blend of olive oil, butter, and coconut oil. Coconut oil 
style, I think is the most important one to use because it gives it kind of the movie theater flavor because they often use coconut oil to pop the kernels. They also use soybean oil. So that's another thing you can use at home if you want the movie theater taste. And I usually pop it without adding seasonings beforehand, but occasionally I will add a little bit of salt or garlic powder to, to the like mixture before it pops. And then after it pops, the most important thing that it needs is nutritional yeast flakes, which I call tasty flakes. And those are usually available in bulk at Whole Foods stores, but you can also find certain brands of them at Walmart. I found them at Walmart one time and you can definitely find them at Trader Joe's and tahin. So nutritional yeast flakes and tahin. And tahin is dehydrated chili flakes and dehydrated lime flakes and salt. And that is the bring your own popcorn popcorn. I thought you were going to say the most important thing was love. <laughs> yeah. The most important thing is you have to do the whole thing with love or it will taste disgusting. Do you not have a popcorn? Corn machine, like one of the little ones. I used to have a whirly pop, but I don't anymore. <laughs> My roommate has one of the little ones that like spits the popcorn out. Oh, like a countertop one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my great grandma so, had one of those. I loved it. I hate it. <laughs> Such a pain. Oh. Like I'd rather use a pot, but it is, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm just using it wrong. Maybe. I think the reason I probably would never get one of the countertop ones is because countertop space is, is such a luxury that's just always in demand, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, this roommate should think about that kind of stuff. It is handy when you really want one of those. Well, since we're, we're getting so distracted from the feature film, can, yeah. can I ask you a question? Yeah, what's up? Do you remember the first movie you walked out of? The first movie I walked out of? In theaters. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many? I have also walked out of movies like at parties. Wow. Well, parties, I, I mean, that's a little different, but like at theaters, you've walked out of several. Oh, so many. Yeah. Um. Well, especially because when I worked at the movie theater, I didn't even have to pay for it. So. Oh, well, th- that's cheating. <laughs> but you even have before, one. Even when I did pay for it. I, I okay. Walked out. I walked out of multiple Harry Potter movies. I only stayed through the first one and the sixth movie part one or the only ones that I saw in theaters all the way through. I walked out of an Adam Sandler movie, which I don't even know what I was thinking going into it yeah that tracks <laughs> i walked out of a ryan gosling movie that i can't remember what it was called but it was just like so slow and i was like this isn't bad but i'm just bored and why should i waste my you know sunday afternoon doing this yeah you could be um, skipping in a park yeah that's what i went and did perfect <laughs> Did you have popcorn still? Yeah. As a kid, I never, I did not ever buy popcorn at the movie theaters until my 20s, but just because it was so expensive. Yeah. And now I will, I'll always buy it now, partially just because I love popcorn and partially because I know that concessions is what pays for the employees' paychecks. And so I like deliberately get a large popcorn to support, support my comrades. Yeah. (laughs) You're popping their wallets. (laughs) Yeah. My first, I'm pretty sure was King Kong 2005. Oh, I I remember loving that one. I think that's the one with Jack Black, right? Jack Black and Naomi Watts? No, I don't think so. Is it? I See, I, I wasn't like completely sure if that was the movie. I just remember it was a movie with a large gorilla. And 2005 seemed to be the right time because it was me and my dad and we both walked out. It was just kind of boring. I remember I fell asleep. Although it's been talked about now with my doctors that I have narcolepsy. So maybe, maybe that should have been a sign, but. Maybe you fell asleep and we're having a really boring dream. Oh, that might've been it. But my dad wanted to leave twos and he mm-hmm. usually likes those kind of movies. 
so I'm not sure. But some type of ape movie in the early 2000s, so it's probably King Kong. I wouldn't be upset if you didn't like that movie, but I remember loving it. And then a fun story that I have about that movie starring Jack Black, Naomi Watson, Adrian Brody, is that I went to Comic-Con that year in 2005, San Diego Comic-Con, and Andy and Naomi were there and Jack Black. And so I went to a panel to just watch them, you know, talk about their movie and promote their movie. And I was like, oh, cool. You're talking about that movie I saw. And then the panel ended and Jack Black stood up and... Kyle Gass. Yeah, and strips. Oh, God, I wish. And then Kyle Gass walked out and they were like, surprise, this is now a Tenacious D concert. And they played a Tenacious D concert. I enjoy Jack Black. I'm not a fan of Tenacious D and I don't like all his movies, (laughs) but I do enjoy him and several of his roles. He's a fun guy. He's a real fun guy. But yeah, that was that's one of my most memorable experiences of my whole life because they were one of my favorite bands at the time and I still love them. And it wasn't advertised at all. There was nowhere in any pamphlet or signs or anything that said there was going to be a Tenacious D show. So people were losing their minds and it was great. That's awesome. Good times. Well, are you ready to get into our feature film? I am totally ready. Milk has chosen a movie that is very special to them. Mm -hmm. It's a science fiction action movie that came out in 2015. This movie is the third highest grossing film of all time. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's also the highest grossing film, obviously, in its franchise. It's a universe. That tracks. <laughs> it's a sequel and it's set 22 years after the events of the first movie, which was released in 1993. This movie is the fourth installment in the franchise so far. There's six existing films and a seventh is in the making, slated to come out in June 2022. The movie that we are talking about today is 2015's Jurassic World. There's Jurassic Park 1, 2, 3, and then there's going to be Jurassic World 1, 2, 3, and then there is a short film. We've got Jurassic Park 1993, The Lost World 1997, Jurassic Park 3 2001, Jurassic World 2015, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom 2018, Battle at Big Rock 2019 and Jurassic World Dominion 2022. Battle at Big Rock, it's a like short film. It's like 15 minutes. It's a short, it doesn't have any of the main characters. It's just to kind of establish the world. And I I don't know why it was made. It doesn't <laughs> offer anything. It's cool. It may have been like a thing to kind of like either satiate between movies or just provide a little bit more context of what the third movie is going to be since it's going to be so different in the sense that like we've never had a movie that started where dinosaurs are just out in the world interesting well it is directed by the same person who directed the new trilogy it's good it fits jurassic world as the trilogy is it just kind of seemed strange to me and and while we're at it we should mention there is a netflix animated series for jurassic world camp cretaceous i don't know how many seasons there are but i've watched all of them and it's pretty good it does a really good job of being a kid's show while still scary there is like implied dinosaur violence so it can be scary and true to the jurassic series without showing children gruesome things i I really enjoyed it added some context Uh, i don't know if it's considered fully canon but i think so nice that sounds cute for jurassic world please give me a brief summary of this movie in your own words jurassic world 
is uh, the first movie of a new trilogy that continues the idea of the first Jurassic Park movie of, you know, what if we made a park full of dinosaurs? It definitely has a very different vibe from the original movie and the whole original trilogy in the sense that it is trying to tell stories and not just kind of be a thriller action. The The first one did have its stories and morals and themes, but this one actually focuses on a main character being Claire, establishes that it's a trilogy to whereas the first three were just kind of parts. There's dinosaurs and fighting, but it's also a think piece, some would say. <laughs> the beginning, you see like an egg hatch, that's a huge callback to everything. And you get some like more fluff that appeals to fan-based dino, dino culture. And then <laughs> you get the plot of the story with the fact that these two kids are going to go to Jurassic World, which is a huge theme park built on Islar Nubla, the, the original island. I might have said that wrong. I know this is one <laughs> of my favorite movie franchises. Don't get at me. But anyways, they go to this park. They are the nephews of Claire, who don't know her exact position title, but she essentially like manages the park. We also get more plot introduction when Claire is talking to investors about the newest attraction, which is a genetically like hybrid dinosaur that was never a real dinosaur. They, they're not trying to recreate a species. They're making a new one specifically for the park and as an attraction. You kind of get some like, there might be trouble here, like hints right at the beginning there. And then you get introduced to some of the other main cast. Uh, the kids manage to get out on their own. So a little bit into the movie, you're like, okay, Claire, she's a character, important, kind of the focus here. There are dinosaurs, there's cool dinosaurs, there's a big scary dinosaurs. Now there's a guy that's training raptors. There's like some info about what's going for that. You think it's important? It is, but it's kind of for the trilogy as a whole, more so than just this movie. You got the kids loose. The kids can't die. You need something dumb and innocent to protect in the, these types of movies. So you kind of see everywhere this is about to go in about 30 minutes and it goes that way the the kids run into dinosaurs because they make stupid mistakes the dinosaurs are very scary the dinosaurs kill other people unlike the first movie where dinosaurs are being dinosaurs and life finds a way this new dominus rex starts causing problems because it's evil <laughs> <laughs> no because it wasn't raised right um the, the thing about the whole jurassic series is it's always like hey these are animals whether that message is like these are animals and animals can't be controlled or these are animals animals deserve to have like freedom or these are animals they deserve your respect and understanding and love there's always this message of empathy to the dinosaurs which is why this has always been a very special thing to me, because most movies do not do that. Eventually, the dude that was training the raptors goes out with them to hunt the Indominus Rex. The Rex is part raptor. It makes some kind of turn on him. More stuff happens just to kind of up the tension and divide the time when the raptors turn on him and what all the characters run around then it comes to kind of the the climax scene of the movie and he's able to get the raptors back under control and they fight the indominus rex they're like oh we don't have enough teeth claire 
to reestablish her as the new main character, goes and opens up the the T-Rex exhibit, gets the T-Rex to chase her to the Dominus Rex. The T-Rex clashes through the Spinosaurus skeleton, which is, you know, a shout out to all the people that hated Jurassic World 3. Then they all fight, they kill the Indominus Rex, and all the dinosaurs nod at our raptor trainer dude. Then they wink, (laughs) blow a kiss, and then everyone goes out on their way. The last human line of the movie is our dude bro saying, we should stay together for survival, because him and Claire are like a thing. And then the last, last line of the movie is the T-Rex on top of one of the buildings roaring. This establishes, hey, dinosaurs are now loose to thrive on this island. It's theirs now, but all the good people lived. And unlike Jurassic Park 1, when this movie ended, we already knew it was part of a trilogy. So it was cool to be like, what's happening next? And yeah, that's it. Sorry I did such a long rambly way of explaining it. That was perfect. The movie might be faster. (laughs) This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Bring Your Own Popcorn. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at podbean.com slash extra butter for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. So, Milk Surface... Yes, mixed day majesty. Do you recall the first time you watched Jurassic World, where you were, who did you watch it with? What was your response then? And has your response changed over time? Although, you know, it's only been seven years, but yeah. The first time I saw Jurassic World was the day it came out in IMAX. Second time I saw Jurassic World was later that same night at a different movie theater. Nice. (laughs) One of our, my roommates got off work. And so me and my other roommate who were diehard Jurassic Park fans wearing the Jurassic Park shirt and everything, which is in the movie super cool um he got off work so we're like let's go watch it so we watched it again so i saw jurassic world twice opening night and i still love it like a lot of people might think it's weird that i picked jurassic world one instead of like any of the jurassic park films and it's because i loved the jurassic park films growing up they were so different than everything else me as someone who loves like monsters and creatures I was obsessed with Jurassic Park, but like there's no memories and tied things because it's just something I consumed a lot as a kid. There's no special moment to where Jurassic World was such a special moment because I was an adult and it brought all that joy just so hard all at like one time. I, I, I cried at the very beginning because it's this like scene with this egg hatching, which is a total like homage to the first movie and then it shows the bird and then it shows someone like looking through those like old dinosaur like clicker toys that you put on your face you know like the (laughs) handheld vr things but it's just slides it was like all this like dino culture stuff so it appealed so hard to both jurassic park fans as well as just people who like dinosaurs and earlier i mentioned the thing that's different about these movies is that they always install this like moral of these are animals 
animals. Animals deserve respect and love. And as someone who really loves creatures, that is not something you see in media a lot. And that's why I'm so obsessed with Pokemon, because it does that, <laughs> both for the creatures and people becoming friends. And Jurassic Park is like the other version of that, because it's like respect the animals, but also they're going to kill us and rip us apart. <laughs> um, and we're fighting for our lives. Uh, so they hit different niches, but still the same thing. And so I still love it. I watched it earlier today to get ready for this. And it was still great. It's no masterpiece of a movie. None of the franchises. The first franchise still was great. I still love it. The first movie is the best of that first franchise. This first movie is the best of this trilogy also because lots of people don't like the second one and I get it. I really enjoyed it because it hit a big soft spot for me that all movies with get me. It still holds up. I still love it all. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You loved it then and you love it now. Correct. Did you watch it with your family or friends? Date? The Jurassic Park movies I I watched with family. I just don't even remember my first time watching them. Jurassic World was with friends who I don't really talk to anymore. So going to see the newest Jurassic World that comes out later this year in June, I don't know who I'm watching that with. It's going to be interesting. Heck, I might just walk to the theater and watch it myself if I need to, but like I'm going to watch it opening night. I I requested Jurassic World's premiere off in 2015, six months before it came out. Uh, (laughs) When they asked for my availability, I was like, oh, I'm available these days, except for this day in whatever month, because Jurassic World is coming out. Like, (laughs) nice. And then when I got my next job, I did the same for Fallen Kingdom. Like, you know, it's it's that important to me I because Jurassic World is a theater movie. It's just so much better in theaters. And I want the excitement of opening night because you kind of know that most of the people there are the same kind of nerd as you are. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's how it is with Marvel. I've never been super into Marvel. I watch them I'm like, oh, these are kind of fun. I think um, that's not true anymore. Like, I mm. think that was true when Marvel movies first started, and now they're just so mainstream. You you can't really get a true a sense I, for who's in there. It's just everybody. I remember seeing one of the Star Wars movies in theaters opening night. People applauded when Yoda started doing action stuff. I was like, that's awesome, <laughs> you nerds. And so it's so cool to have that experience with Jurassic World because that's mine. And this movie is going going to be the last time that will happen with Jurassic World and possibly for me as a whole in a theater. So it's going to kind of be like the last special moment with the whole crowd, if that makes sense. Most Aww, likely. Yeah. So I'm good. really looking forward to it. Yeah. I saw Jurassic World in the theaters, but I don't remember what theater it was. But I do remember the first time I saw Jurassic Park, I was five years old and I <laughs> saw it in a house My aunt was house-sitting for an extremely rich woman in San Francisco, and it was like this, like a mini mansion. Like, it was very mansion-y, but it wasn't enormous, but it was very big still, and they had a big screen TV, which was like probably the biggest you could get in the 90s, but it wasn't really that big compared to what we have now. But that's how I watched it. They just put, they're like, oh, you've never seen Jurassic Park. Let's put it on for the five-year-olds. How did you respond to that? Because it's a, it can be a scary movie. I was scared, but I don't know. My fear, I never had big reactions to anything. So like I sat there, I watched it. I liked I liked everything that wasn't scary. And then the scary parts, I was like, hmm, that's scary. <laughs> I was a robot child. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it may have like afterwards, I just like had a shudder down my spine. of like, I hope that's not real because that's creepy. But I also understood movie magic pretty well. So I was just like, eh, it's just a movie. So yeah, I was like scared, but it didn't yeah. make me cry or anything. Outside of the podcast, you and I have talked about how from the get go, you knew about movie magic. So it's easy not to get scared in movies to where I was very much scared of movies as a child. Mm. Like Gremlins haunted me for, I think, two years. Oh, man. I didn't see that until I was an adult. It's not a scary movie. (laughs) (laughs) But as a child. Yeah. But Jurassic Park, I, I have no memories of like specific times watching it as a kid. But I know it never haunted me. It scared me in ways, but like it never haunted me. I was never scared after the fact. And I enjoyed the fear. And that was the only medium or the only media like that for me as a child. It was was so different than anything else I loved. When I was a little milk carton, I was playing (laughs) with uh, Polly Pockets and Pet Shops, dressing like a Ninja Turtle. And (laughs) everything was all nice and fluff. I wasn't allowed to play Final Fantasy VII because it had a sword on the cover. Oh my gosh. I uh, Power Rangers made me a little too rowdy, so I wasn't allowed to watch it. (laughs) But I was allowed to watch Jurassic Park and I loved it. (laughs) Fascinating. Yeah, I think for me, I also am realizing as I think about it, the scariest part to me wasn't the dinosaurs, but it was more Ariana Richards' performance. Like she sold it so hard where it was like, if I had just seen the dinosaur... Like you were saying, I um, I grew up in a like a family that was very into filmmaking and like wanted to make films themselves. And so I knew all about green screens and special effects and knew some of the behind the scenes stuff about movies. So the dinosaurs, it was just like clearly special effects, even though they, they look amazing to this day, they still hold up. But the girl who plays Lex, Lex Murphy in that movie really sold the terror in those scenes and I think that's where I was like man if she's terrified maybe I should be too so it was more like empathy fear than my own fear yeah they sell it so hard and like you said the special effects stand up it's kind of strange because you can find a lot of higher budget movies from that time that don't hold up and it's kind of weird that, oh, you mean the the movie with the gigantic dinosaurs that are completely unrealistic, hold up realistically so oh, well? <laughs> well, I can I can tell you exactly why they hold up. Because they, animatronics, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's all practical effects and it's yeah. the computer graphics and the computer enhanced stuff that that no longer holds up. Yeah, they they did such a great job on that. Yeah. And it's such a rare thing for people who are into dinosaurs to be treated to. <laughs> yeah. Of which there are many as evidenced by the fact that, like I said, Jurassic World was the third highest grossing film of all time. People love dinosaurs. That is true. And what's funny is Jurassic Park and World get a lot of things wrong. For one, the main raptors in the movies are velociraptors, which are actually like the size of a turkey. And there's a lot of other anatomy things that are incorrect, both like at the time they made these movies and what we know now, because dinosaurs are always changing based off the science we learn. Jurassic World did a little bit of story building or world building, story building to, to rectify that 
where the the main scientist addresses it saying, you know, these are recreations through science and we make them a certain way for the sake of entertainment, not reality. And so there's actually a lot of differences compared to the real dinosaurs. It's so cool that they threw that in because you're like, oh, okay, now I don't mind that these velociraptors are the size of us and everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good explanation. How would you say that Jurassic World has changed or deeply impacted your life? I don't think it's ever changed me, but it's continued to give me the idea of like hope, love, and empathy. (laughs) You know, the things you see in this movie. I'm sure that's the first thing (laughs) people think of. That's always in the human and dinosaur side. I've said it many times, but something I've been holding out till now, which really isn't in the first Jurassic World movie, but it's in the second one. And big spoiler, in the second Jurassic World movie, there is a girl who is a clone Mm. and she didn't know it. And it's not like they're doing a bunch of cloning. It was like a a one-time specific thing. Anytime there is like a clone or artificial life or something like that, it really hits home because of some like identity issues I've struggled with my whole life. And it's so funny looking at Pokemon, the first movie and Jurassic Park in the sense that like there's clones and it's about like empathy and finding your way in a world you don't really belong because you're created rather than just a natural part of it. In Pokemon, it's Mewtwo kind of listening to others, but then discovering it for themselves. And in Jurassic World, it's just they are making it happen for themselves. So it's funny that like as a kid you need to learn from others and kind of understand yourself but as an adult it's more about finding your own way and so really like Jurassic World 1 and 2 are the adult versions of the morals you learned in Pokemon the first movie in some capacities (laughs) and I love both so much both Jurassic World movies and both including the, the Pokemon movie and I mentioned Free Guy the whole thing is it's about an NPC from a game that gains sentience So it's that artificial life. And so those kind of movies really hit home. Altogether, these things just consistently remind me that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, where you come from. It's about what you're doing now and how you establish yourself as an individual and how you establish yourself into a community of, you know, the larger community, smaller community, the relationships you hold with friends, family, and loved ones. And you just need to always remember to to love the things around you. And these movies, despite them being action or comedy or dark or scary, always remind me of those things. Well, that's wonderful. And despite the fact that you're not, uh, you know, a a movie fanatic in general, that's exactly the kind of thing that I want to hear when I ask someone, what do movies mean to you? Or what does a specific movie mean to you? Like, it's clearly extremely meaningful to you, this film and other other films, too. So you you do have a passionate relationship with movies, just not a fanatical regular for sure sure. personally i'm gonna say something hopefully you don't kick me off right now (laughs) i think movies are a somewhat dead art form because i think they were limited to marketing kind of thing like i think movies kind of exist because of capitalism marketing like system and i think short series are better than movies (laughs) and like almost every movie i've seen i was like this would make a better short series. (laughs) 
because you know that you watch a movie and you're like oh this won't make a good show but what it is is good i feel like a short series would have been better but but that said i still will find lots of meaning and joy in, in movies it's just not something i really like actively speak out or anything it's good to know yourself maybe yeah. movies have even helped you to know yourself in oh for sure capacity and yeah you're not canceled you can you can think whatever you want <laughs> do you think i'm wrong <laughs> I think, well, I think it's an opinion. I guess I wouldn't say it's a fact. <laughs> well, true. You can't say it's a fact, but <laughs> thinking on my opinion, do you at least think that like a lot of things were movies just because of the market and they would have thrived more as short series? No, I, definitely okay. some things, not everything. But I also would say my counterpoint to that is that if you're someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies, is your perspective really an accurate scope of the overall cinematic? landscape currently well as a caucasian person who was born with a penis yes <laughs> my opinion's right oh yeah okay okay i'm coming around to your side now <laughs> <laughs> no no my, my opinion's definitely skewed um it's really me trying to think of like how i would enjoy most of this media although it's not an opinion i came up with it's an opinion i heard and then really thought about and i feel mm. the same way and it was from my friend uh, aurora who is a co-host on one of my shows and she does watch movies Th there are people who are more film adjacent alien no film enjoyers is that how you describe yourselves yeah um, film enjoyers. filmsters she shared that with me i was like yeah that's kind of how i feel because my one of my favorite mini series is called the lost room it's one of those shows that was like is it six hour long episodes or is it three two hour long episodes i don't know because tv was weird in the 90s <laughs> it's essentially a, a six hour long movie with the refreshers for people who might have missed something like i was talking about shows do you know i just think movies can tend to be a little too short sometimes i don't think everything would benefit from more time but i've seen a lot of short films that are so good and it's like good glad this wasn't longer but i've seen so many movies that are like it wasn't long enough for the experience i think you were trying to hit yeah i would say that especially as i get older i'm getting even more of an obnoxious hipster and i'm preferring independent films and foreign films that are more likely to treat the medium of film as film and not as trying to cram a series into a movie and i yeah. would say that that's something that marvel does and also because marvel has like taken over the cinematic landscape that other movies are trying to imitate that too and I, definitely i think a lot of the marvel movies they try to cram so much information and plot into one movie and these come from comic books where you would have like dozens and dozens and dozens of books over decades and then they're trying to cram all of those stories into one film or a couple films where they would benefit better from from the marvel series the, the tv shows that they're doing that are able to explore things more but overall i i just really enjoy the storytelling of movies that are that are done well well listeners go ahead and leave uh comments below and let us know what you think <laughs> yeah yeah give a give us a five-star review and in that review just tell me what you thought about that exactly <laughs> i have to ask why didn't you watch this movie why why was my movie <laughs> the only one you didn't watch for your show it's a it's a stupid boring reason i might cut this out but <laughs> 
we thought we were going to record last weekend. Yeah. And so I rented it Friday night. And Friday night, I was like, dang, my allergies are getting really bad. So I didn't watch it because I was like tired. I was like, I'll watch it tomorrow. And then I woke up extremely sick on Saturday. I went ahead and started playing the movie. I hit play and I fell asleep. I slept all of Saturday and all of Sunday and most of Monday. And when I came to, my rental had expired and I simply did not rent it again. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. It's like one of those movies I either want to see or you know the plot of. If you're not interested in it, reading the Wikipedia is the same as watching it almost. (laughs) Yeah. And the other aspect about it is that it's a very action-packed movie. And I think I might have told you before, but I really struggle with action scenes. It's something that I don't like about my brain like it's I find it frustrating because I want to enjoy action scenes and I want to enjoy action films but I can't track the action so as soon as people start fighting whether it's martial arts or it's dinosaurs attacking each other I'm like I my brain shuts down it's like nope (laughs) we're not gonna expend the extra effort to try to tell whose arm is doing what we're just gonna stop working now so that's the frustrating thing that happens when I watch action films Have you ever tried like treating it like it's Let's Dance where you're just like, or Just Dance, the video game, like you just try to follow the movements as like one of the characters? I've never played that. Maybe I need to play that first. Mm, No. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Just watch it and mimic them as fast as you can on time, you know? Okay. Same thing. Yeah. With the dinosaurs. Do you want to hear some facts about the would love some facts because I don't know many. I don't do a lot of digging into media I enjoy. So they're not really like fun trivia or anything like that. It's more just like some information about the people who made the film that I found interesting. So it's written and directed by Colin Trevorrow, which I think is such an interesting last name because it's like a combination of Trevor and Tomorrow. So it's like the Trevor from the future. He did a movie that I really liked from 2012 called Safety Not Guaranteed, which starred Aubrey Plaza and some dude that I cared more about Aubrey Plaza. Something that I found very interesting about Colin Trevorrow is that he was originally the co-writer director of a little something called Star Wars Duel of the Fates, which was going to be the third Star Wars sequel after The Last Jedi. With, oh. Yeah, with Trevorrow as the director and the scriptwriter. But for whatever reason, they were like, eh, actually, we're going to give it to J.J. Abrams and Chris Torrio instead. So they just handed the script over to those two and they turned it into Rise of Skywalker. So they kept some of Trevorrow's original stuff, but they changed some like really significant ones. Like the parts where it makes sense. They got rid of all those. One one significant thing that I read that had changed was that the thing that was set up in The Last Jedi is that Rey is basically nobody. And that's like the whole Star Wars thing is like anybody can be a hero and like, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. You can just be some rando. But then they in Rise of Skywalker, they just turn that whole thing on its head and is like, no, she's like from royal blood she's a palpatine she's related to the most powerful jedi in the universe blah 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 who's also still alive somehow the that was a an abrams thing making ray a palpatine in, okay in trevorrow's draft yeah she was still it just continued from the last jedi and she's just a random person yeah well that sucks <laughs> that they changed yeah, that i'm real. not a big star wars fan but i have watched most of the stuff i'm yeah. sorry fans of star wars <laughs> I'm going to apologize personally. 
I'm so curious how Trevorrow's version would have been. Maybe so, we'll get a Trevorrow cut one day. Yeah, yeah, fans need to make it, like, just, like, cast it and film it with an iPhone. So the screenplay for Jurassic World was written by Trevorrow, and it was also written by, co-written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. And I say it like that because they're a married couple who writes everything together, which I thought was interesting. They shared the typewriter at the same <laughs> yeah. time. So it's not like Rick Jaffa, comma, Amanda Silver. It's Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. They are most known for writing like all of the new Planet of the Apes movies. And then the other person who co-wrote Jurassic World is Derek Connolly, who you may recognize his name as being one of the scriptwriters of Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which makes him six degrees away from Ryan Reynolds. Yep. <laughs> Everything I've talked about is like very connected. <laughs> yeah. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. I fucking loved Detective Pikachu. Did you like it? For sure. It's one of the only other movies where I cried in the intro. <laughs> J- Jurassic World was like, oh, I'm seeing this egg again, like on the big screen. And as I mentioned, I never saw Jurassic Park movies in theater. So it was a very big moment for me. And then Detective Pikachu, I was seeing like, you know, Pokemon out in the world, like, as animals in what looks real. And so I also cry. (laughs) Yeah, it's so cute. I love it. It makes you want to be there in real life so bad. And I'm not even really into Pokemon. (laughs) Both of these series are things that like in the past just inspire imagination because they're so fantastical. And now in the current horrors of today, inspire imagination because they're not too far away. (laughs) Um, You know, because we're like, oh, hey, we we might be able to make Jurassic Park. And it's like, you know, there are six movies saying don't make Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I don't care. If they make Jurassic Park, I'm going. If they say, hey, it's raining today, things aren't working too great, I'm still going. <laughs> Nothing will stop me. Yeah, if, I mean, we all die someday. You might as well die being eaten by a dinosaur. Exactly. It's a lot better than being killed by an invisible virus. So true. Um, Speaking of like all the animal rights stuff, uh, when I was reading about the movie, that was brought up a lot and said it has, this movie has overarching themes of being a critique of consumer and corporate excess and also animal rights. And Colin Trevorrow said that one of his inspirations for Jurassic World was Blackfish, which was like the famous documentary about how badly they treat animals at SeaWorld. Yeah, they definitely push animal rights a lot more in this series in the sense that they like mention it more as well as small things like there's a petting zoo in Jurassic World, which like kind of shows kids and the public to have more empathy towards these creatures. You know, in the Jurassic Park series, they'll show empathy and they'll they'll say things. Um, even the line of like, oh, clever girl. I think that's like, oh, you know, they're intelligent. You can see them working things out. But in Jurassic World, it's a little bit more direct and, and in a very good way, I think. They do a really good job in this first Jurassic World movie. It's been a while since I've seen the second one, but it's not as much there. And what's interesting is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom focuses more on some of these like hybrid animals and it still shows like them responding 
respect to. Yeah, it's it's so well put into the movies. It never feels overdone and luxury, but it's like a constant thing. Which uh, that's like the best way to do. The best way to have a message is to artfully weave it throughout an interesting story. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can have a movie with a message or your movie's the message. And that's what they do with Jurassic World is the movie is multiple messages including don't make Jurassic Park, but just <laughs> animals deserve rights. Yeah. It, it, it's not telling that message. That's just what the movie is. And that's what Pokemon is. The, the message is always work together and establish friendship. You know, I love media that does that where it's like so heavy about a message, but it never feels too much. Well, that's all the fun facts I have. This has been a wonderful discussion and it's been really cool getting to know you more, Milk, through the discussion of your passion for Jurassic World and the whole Jurassic franchise. Yeah, this has been great. I don't think you and I have ever had movie conversations before. No, we, we had to save it for the pod. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because we'll never talk about movies again. <laughs> this was it. <laughs> so, something that I forgot to ask just a moment ago. Have you ever seen Jurassic World? Oh yeah, I saw it in theaters. I just don't remember. Okay. It wasn't like a special. I didn't see it on opening weekend because I never do see anything on opening weekend. I oh, just don't why would like you? <laughs> I, I don't want to ever go to an opening weekend unless it's like my thing like Jurassic yeah. World well thank you again for being on if people would like to find you to talk with you about dinosaurs or to hire you to make beautiful beautiful art where can people find you you can find me on any social media specifically instagram and twitter as milk myth if you want to see my art on instagram it is milkmyth.art pretty straightforward i am also on the podcast nymphomercial as one of the hosts uh, I produce the podcast radio Flom along with Steve Mahalo, who is an amazing sound engineer. So it's unlike any other podcast I've ever heard, which I don't know is a good thing. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> um, and I am just now starting a new podcast uh, with uh, the owner of Stab Comedy, Jesse Jones, called Domain Daddy. So that's been fun. Uh, so go check those things out and let me know what you think. Hell yeah. And that's Milk Myth, which is M-Y-T-H as in legend, as in legendary, which was uh, intentional. Unintentional. It, milk Myth all started because my name's Milk and I have an identity crisis. He's a myth. He's mm -hmm. the milk. He's the legend. Okay. <laughs> so I, I thought drums were about to go off. And I'm like, that's not possible. I'll add that in post. <laughs> okay, perfect. And then all of a sudden like an asshole right now. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Sorry, so rambly. I am not always like this. Listen to my podcast, please. It's different. <laughs>